0: Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 329. Prepare to embark on a journey with today's most inspiring entrepreneurs. Be adventurous, be enterprising, and triumph! Heyo, Fire Nation. LegalZoom is the go-to provider of affordable legal protection. Just ask one of the three dozen companies on the Inc. 500 list. Go to LegalZoom.com to find the service that's right for you Enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. Are you looking for a graphic designer? How about 210,000 of them? 99designs is waiting to connect you to more than 200,000 graphic designers worldwide. Visit 99designs.com slash FIRE to find out how they can help you with your next logo, web, or apparel design. That's 99designs.com slash FIRE. Okay Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Rohit Bargava. Rohit, are you prepared to ignite
1: I definitely am.
0: All right. Rohit is a marketing expert dedicated to bringing more humanity back to business. He is the author of three best-selling marketing books, including the award-winning Lyconomics. Rohit is the CEO and founder of the Influential Marketing Group and professor of global marketing at Georgetown University. Given Fire Nation just a little overview Rohit, but take a minute, tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you and then give us an overview of your business.
1: Yeah, well, I am a, uh, I started off in marketing as a writer, uh, and I think that one of the important things that a lot of times we forget about is the human side of writing. And so I've you know, mostly dedicated my career to trying to help companies, these big inhuman things, uh, become more human and talk in ways that people actually talk. Um, so I spent eight years running digital strategy and doing some social media work at Ogilvy, a big marketing agency. Um, I've lived in Australia and uh, led some work at Leo Burnett over there, and about eight months ago, I took my own personal journey to become an entrepreneur, to leave my day job behind, um, and to leave working for someone else behind, and start my own thing. And So for eight months, I've been working with, uh, with startups, doing my own publishing, and it's been phenomenal. Um, so that's my little bit of my story.
0: Very cool. We're going to dive more into that even deeper later in the interview. But what exactly is your affiliation with Georgetown? Because I have to ask. My dad is alumni.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I teach uh, a global marketing class there. Um, I like to call myself an occasional professor. I All take right. the easy route and uh, you know just teach one course, one course a year. Um, but it's you know it's enough to kind of get a chance to do something that I really love, which is uh, working with students who are really passionate about the field of marketing and and trying to relay to them some of the real world experience. I think a lot of times education itself can turn into this bubble. And I really love the chance to be a, a professor that sort of does this stuff in the real world and just comes back and does one class.
0: Yeah, and I have to imagine Georgetown's a great place to do that because it's such an international school with such an international culture that I'm sure you just have different people from all over the world with different insights and feedback, and it's just probably a win-win situation for both parties. So definitely commend you for doing that, Rohit. And I want to move forward to the success quote because we always start Entrepreneur on Fire off with a success quote to get that motivational ball rolling. So take it away.
1: So my success quote is, uh, it starts like this. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the really great make you feel that you too can become great. And that's Mark Twain. And I love that because it really speaks to this idea of your success not coming at the cost of somebody else. And I think a lot of times when we think about competitive spirit, and a lot of us are really competitive and and entrepreneurs by (laughs) nature, I think, are competitive. And there's this idea that if I'm going to succeed, that means I have to beat other people. Um, And so often I've seen this played out in my career, having worked with huge brands in in a consulting role and now kind of working in a more entrepreneurial role, that the personal connection of taking other people with you is such an important factor in how these random opportunities, so-called random opportunities, actually come in your direction. Um, we like to think of, I mean, people call it different things. They call it serendipity. They call it luck sometimes. Uh, but it really does play out that people help each other in those situations when you actually have helped them.
0: So Rohit, we want to turn the spotlight onto you here cause you are our guest and we want to talk about your journey and your story. So when have you specifically kept away from someone who is trying to belittle you and how do you apply that in your everyday life?
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of times you'll get uh, pressure. I mean, one of the big pressure moments that I had in, in my career was uh, the pressure to specialize, um, which I think everybody probably has at some point where they say, you know, look, what do you really want to do? What's your thing? What's your one thing that you're going to own? And if you're somebody like me who's, you know, I mean, literally there was a day I remember thinking I had the, the greatest job ever because I was working on marketing for um, agricultural products in the morning. And then I had a pharmaceutical company meeting about like a new treatment for a different type of cancer. And then in the afternoon, I was working on like microchip marketing and technology. And it was like all this stuff all in one day. And it was so exciting because I didn't have to say I'm the microchip guy or I'm the, you know, pharmaceutical guy. Um, I could actually cross boundaries. And I think there's such a power in being able to apply something from one area and take it to the other area. And a lot of times, like most people don't get the chance to do that. I mean, you choose your industry, you do what you do, and there's very few people that get to have that sort of crossover type of career that I've had. Um, So I feel really lucky to have been able to do that, but I also know that it's been a struggle to have to continually push back to say, look, I don't want to be just doing this.
0: So we hear so much on Entrepreneur on Fire and I do talk about this occasionally as well is the power of niching and really niching down and establishing yourself in a specific area but you're bringing another angle to this Rohit and I do like that angle as well because what you're doing is something else that I often do talk about is you're really fulfilling your authentic self. You're doing what feels right for you. You're not allowing yourself to be forced down this rabbit hole that you don't want to be pushed down. You don't want to be defined in any specific way. So I definitely commend you for standing Up and really just saying, you know what? I want to work in different fields. I want to spread my wings and really work on passion projects because that feels right for you. And I think that's a great takeaway for the listeners. You know what? Listen to your gut. Like, really feel like what feels right and then move forward in that direction. And then always be identifying the wins and the losses from that decision. But at the same time, continue to move forward in what feels good and what feels right. So, Rohit, let's continue to move forward on our journey with you right now because you've had a lot of interesting things in your entrepreneurial journey because you really have spread your wings and done a bunch of different adventures in a bunch of different fields and industries. But it wasn't always successful and it wasn't always failures. You had both. You had your ups and your downs. But what I want to focus on right now is a failure, is a challenge or an obstacle that you really faced during your journey. And what did you learn from that?
1: For me, I kind of started off with failure. I mean, I started off with a, a startup idea that I thought was brilliant.
0: So tell us that story, Rohit. We want to hear that failure.
1: Yeah, so I had, uh, this was 1997, right at the beginning of sort of the move towards the internet, right. this, you know, sort of early in the dot-com boom. And um, I had this brilliant idea coming out of college that restaurants should have websites and most of them didn't. And so I thought, well, why don't I just create a business where I'll build the restaurant websites and then I'll have a Yahoo style directory of restaurants and I'll sort of own both sides of the market. I'll have the directory of all the restaurants where everybody goes and I'll have the ability to build, custom build all these restaurant websites. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I thought so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's how it always starts. Right. Right. (laughs) But then I went, you know, I literally went door to door um, at restaurants and I had my brochure and uh, I tried to sell them on the idea of having websites. And I couldn't convince a single restaurant to build a website because they didn't think that anybody would actually look at it. So I, then I had this idea that, okay, well, why don't I just do a website for free for a restaurant so that I can pretend like they paid me so that I can get more restaurants. <laughs> um, you know, get social proof, right? That was basically the principle I was trying to use. And ultimately what ended up happening is I did this one restaurant website. I couldn't really convince anyone else to... You know to go for it, and I realized that the lesson that I realized in that is that it's not enough to have what you think is a great idea or a great service; it has to be the right moment in time. And I think that the moment in time that I chose to try and launch this business was probably about eighteen months too early. And as a result of that, I couldn't convince a restaurant that they should pay. Literally 300 bucks. That's what I was trying to do
0: That was the pricing model. I was going to ask that. So that you were going it, yeah. up to these restaurants and saying, listen, guys, for $300, not only will I build you a site, but you will be listed in this directory of restaurants. And they were saying, nope, not worth it. Wow.
1: The other thing was I didn't quite, you know, I didn't give up right away. So I had a different business idea, which is why don't I just go and find the restaurants that do have websites, list them, and then I landed a meeting with a guy from AOL, which, you know, being in the D.C. area, like AOL was the king, right, right. at that time.
0: Um, so this and in 1997, me. they were just king.
1: Yeah, they're totally. Um, and so I walked into this meeting with this guy, and I gave him the pitch on DCRestaurants.com, which was my website. Um, and I told him about all these plans and all this vision, and I told him how he could start bringing eyeballs towards it. And he looked at me, and he said, I understand perfectly what I can do for you. What I'm not sure about is what you can do for me. Ooh. Just by hearing that and literally sitting there and not having an answer, I mean, I didn't even make anything up. I just sat there because <laughs> I didn't have an answer. Um, and I left that meeting, which was really the worst meeting of my life in, in many ways. Um, but, it, it, you know, the flip side of it was that the lesson I learned from that was such a powerful one, which is you never walk into that sort of meeting without knowing what you have to offer somebody else. And to learn that at 21 years old um, was pretty powerful
0: incredibly powerful. I mean, that's one of those situations where you walk into that meeting, you're all revved up, you prepared for it. And then in just one sentence, one fatal swoop, your world is shattered and you're sitting there saying, wow, I could not have blown it more. But at the same time, that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. That is the challenges and the mistakes and the failures that we face that we just use to propel us forward and learn from and improve upon for that next meeting that we have. So we do bring that value. So, when that question is asked, you have a great answer, or better yet, that question never is asked because you've Answered it first and foremost in your presentation. This is what I am going to offer you. This is the value that I'm providing. So, love that story, Rohit. And just love going back to those 1997 times. Cause for me, you know, I was a little too young. You know, it's one of those things where I was about 16 years old at the time. So, I really was just kind of like trying to figure out how I could chat with girls on ICQ. And I wasn't really at that point where I felt that I could start a business yet. I just wasn't mentally prepared for that. So, I kind of missed that whole wave because by the time I graduated college, it was 2002. I was off to war as an officer in the army. So, I mean, that just was kind of something that washed over me. So, I love hearing stories of people like yourself who are a couple years older who did get up there and swing the bat and try a few things back in those wild, wild West days. And I want to continue forward in your journey because just like you've had a failure with that startup and with different things you've done, you've also had successes and aha moments. So, continue forward in your journey and share with us an aha moment moment that you did have that worked, a light bulb that went off that did resonate for the right reasons? And how'd you turn that moment, Rohit, into success?
1: One moment was, I mean, almost uh, exactly six months after that whole failure with uh, DC restaurants, I decided that I wanted a a big change and I I applied to get a visa to move to Australia. Wow! Um, You know, almost overnight. uh, I didn't know anyone there. I didn't have any job there. The only thing I knew was that the Olympics was coming to Sydney in 2000 and I wanted to be there. Um, And the reason I thought that is because I went to college in Atlanta and I knew what the vibe of an Olympic city was. And I was sort of banking on the fact that being in an exciting city would pay off. So I really just went for the place more than anything else. And, yeah, I ended up getting the visa. I moved to Australia and I had kind of that typical... Uh, live out of the, well, I don't know if it's typical, but you know, I lived out of a dorm room for a month <laughs> and ate peanut butter sandwiches every day. And because, you know, I could buy the whole loaf of bread once a week and I could kind of make it last, right?
0: Make it um, last, baby.
1: <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and you know, eventually I landed a job, um, for three weeks. I wanted to be a marketing guy, but I landed a job for three weeks doing hand HTML coding. So this was like, you know, before we had like all of the cool WordPress type of stuff where you could just kind of, choose a template and slop a page up. I mean, you (laughs) had to hand code stuff, right? Um, And I got this three-week gig, and the only way that I landed it was I went into the interview, and the only question the guy asked me, because I had a personal website that I built myself, and that was my resume, uh, which in, you know, 1999 wasn't really that common.
0: Pretty unique. Yeah,
1: and I thought, you know, this will be a good way to stand out. And the only way that I built it, by the way, was during those six months I was waiting tables and I had, I bought, you know, Teach Yourself HTML in a Week, <laughs> that book. And I <laughs> literally, you know, I followed the instructions and I taught myself HTML in a week. Um, and I built this website and the website ended up being my job interview because he brought me into the interview and he said, did you build this site yourself? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, you're hired. And, you know, and that was sort of this this first moment when I realized... That, you know, at first I thought, okay, well, he hired me for the skill of HTML. But what I realized, and this was kind of my aha moment as I got into that journey, was within three weeks, I'd finished the HTML gig, but actually the producer on the project that was managing the whole thing, kind of like a project manager, was this really, really defensive um, woman who had a lot of personality clashes with the client. Um, and it was a big deal because it's all client service, right? Right. And so the client just started talking directly to me. And three weeks into that job, the, the company basically fired her and hired me to do her job because I had a better personal connection with the client. The client said, We want him. And you know what I realized in that moment is that this personal connection is way more important than the skill set in many cases to get you the opportunity. And it was reinforced over and over again in what it over through my career. What it led me to was this moment in uh, in 2011 when I was writing *Economics*, which was my second sort of mainstream book um, with a big publisher. And the premise of the book was that we do business with people that we like, and um, we were at, in that moment sort of choosing to add a you know add an extension to our house, like a deck. And we had a woman coming in, and she was showing us samples. And as she was showing us samples, she you know, one of our kids came in and he kind of picked up one of these wood samples and he was like, Oh, what's this? And she, in a pretty rude way, kind of, you know, as older people who've kind of forgotten what it's like to to be around young children do said, Oh, don't touch that. You know, that, you know, that's not for kids. Uh, and my wife and I both kind of looked at each other and we realized in that moment that even if she had the best price and the best product, there was no way that we were going to buy from her. And it was all because we didn't like her. And that, kind of moment really crystallized for me what I was trying to get across in the book, which was the importance of likability to success and how we choose who we work with based on these very, very emotional factors and not necessarily, oh, they have the best product at the best price, so I'm just going to buy it.
0: I love that story for so many reasons, Rohit. And I'm sure that all the listeners like myself were thinking back to times when we just kind of had that click in our minds of, you know what? I don't like this person because they did something. They made some snarky comment or some action that they took. And of course, we just distanced ourselves from them and we didn't really explain it to ourselves or even to them, but we just knew that that wasn't going to be the right fit for us. Where we've also been in situations where the opposite has been in effect, where we just can't help but like that person. You know what? Even though they have some shortcomings, we just really want to work with them because they're nice guys or they're nice girls and we just want them to succeed because we like them inherently. So love that story. And what I want to do, Rohit, is I want to pull out two things. I want to pull out first and foremost, what's one clear lesson that you learned from that failure experience that you had where you didn't have an answer to the CEO of AOL? What was that one lesson that you learned?
1: The one thing that I took away was you have to know who you're walking in and talking to and what they care about. Because over and over again, I've realized that uh, when you're presenting to a corporate sort of audience, for example, they don't just care about having a great idea. They care about this uh, sense of, okay, what do I need to do to this idea in order to now go and sell it to my boss? And so one of the things we used to do, and this was kind of a trick that we used to use, is we would create what we tended to call scalable slides. And instead of having our beautiful presentation and walking in and doing our presentation, we would intentionally create certain slides that we knew that client would basically cut and paste into their own PowerPoint presentation for when they went and had the meeting with their boss to say, look, we want to spend you know, $300,000 on this program or whatever it is. And as a result of that, we guaranteed that our voice and our message would be presented in a certain way because we gave that client what they needed in order to present it. And so it was really this idea of knowing your audience and knowing what they're going to ask you through preparation.
0: Wonderful. And so then conversely, with your aha moment and with that understanding of the need for likability and the such, what was your one takeaway from that whole experience?
1: The importance of team. Uh, I think a lot of times we've been in pitch situations where um, we just bring the right people based on their job title. And that's not necessarily the same connection that's going to cause a client to to hire you. And I'm talking specifically about, I mean, I've been mostly in services-based businesses, right? right? So they're hiring people. And in the situation when you're hiring people, you walk in with ideas, you walk in with strategies, you walk in with all sorts of stuff. You know, here's our past experience, here's what we can do. And ultimately, they look at the team that you put in front of them and say, can I imagine my life if I had to spend every day interacting with these people? (laughs) And if they can't imagine their life interacting with the team that you've put in front of them, you lose the the pitch. And it happens over and over. And this last kind of element of choosing the right team is, is almost an afterthought in so many pitch situations when it's the number one thing that clients are choosing. And the way they describe it is never, we liked this team better, so we chose them. It's always, they understood us more, they had a better culture fit. I mean, people use different language. They don't rarely say, we like you more, so you won. But ultimately, that's what it comes down to.
0: And sometimes they may just justify in ways that aren't even specifically the reason just because they want to go with the team that they like more. So they're going to justify it in other areas as well. So great takeaways, Rohit. And I love both how you turned that failure moment and that aha moment into wonderful takeaways for Fire Nation. And I want to move forward now to present time because you have a lot of cool things going on in a lot of different areas. But share with Fire Nation one thing that's just really exciting you right now and why?
1: You know, what's exciting me about marketing in general, and my business also, is that for the longest time, I think marketing suffered from this uh, ability to turn nothing into something artful. Yes. Um, And I think that, you know, a lot of times it means that we're selling vapor, you know, we're selling nothingness. um, And we're selling nothingness with a nice tagline on it. And now what I see in the marketing field is this move towards substance and something substantial and a symbol of that is is this attention on content marketing uh, but ultimately what people are saying is this very simple principle that your marketing works better if you actually have something to say and that's such a powerful thing as a shift in marketing because it moves towards better strategy yes but more substantial communication and I think that anything that drives us towards that instead of creating the next cute tagline, or funky made up word is really, really good. Um, And so I'm really excited about the potential for that to maybe help marketing, ironically, overcome a bit of its PR problem.
0: Right? Well, Rohit, you use the word you're excited for the potential. So let's talk about that for a second as far as potential and vision. What is your specific vision that you have for where Rohit is moving towards with you and your company?
1: Well, you know, my big thing um, that I really, you know, the reason I left, um, really, and I wanted to have my own company, was this dedication to inspiring better marketing. That's my tagline. That's my mantra that I use. And the reason I use that is because I think that better marketing changes the world. And I think that world-changing ideas that fail usually fail because of bad marketing. And so if there's people who are out there who are inventing these amazing things and who are trying to put uh, great products and great services out there, they need people to help them communicate it. And that's sort of what I see as my mission in life, to be someone that helps educate the people who are communicating it and also works directly with some of these people to help them communicate it. Because ultimately, marketing is only about two things. It's about the power of influence and understanding what influences people and the power of storytelling and being able to tell the right story to the right person so that they understand what you're trying to sell them.
0: The power of influence and the power of storytelling. We're going to end this section with that, Rohit, because man, those are just two powerful phrases that I really want Fire Nation to hold to and to think about as they move forward in their businesses. All right, Fire Nation, we're going to thank our sponsors. 97, 98, 99, whew, 99designs is packed with over 210,000 graphic designers worldwide who are ready to help you with your next logo, web, apparel, or mobile app design. It's so easy to get started today. Simply visit 99designs.com slash fire Tell them what you're looking for, and dozens of designers will submit quality designs created just for you. Not only does 99designs offer a complimentary design consultation with their San Francisco design team once you sign up, they also offer continued world-class customer support 24-7 over the phone, via email, and on chat. Don't delay, Fire Nation. When you visit 99designs.com slash fire, you'll get a $99 power pack of services for free. That's right, Fire Nation. 99designs is offering you a $99 power pack of services for free. So visit 99designs.com slash fire to start your next design. On your mark, get set, no, no, no. That's all wrong. We're supposed to be taking a time out to thank our sponsor today, LegalZoom. Now you know how big I am on the just start mentality, and LegalZoom is here to help you do just that. Get started. That's why they offer award-winning services at an affordable price. LegalZoom services have been developed by the best legal minds in the country, and every business they engage with gets personalized attention from start to finish. Here's a quick disclaimer. LegalZoom is not a law firm and provides self-help services at your specific direction, but there's so much more. Now, every LLC and incorporation package includes an easy-to-use business accounting software, a $269 value for free. Be sure to enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. FIRE Nation, I urge you to protect what's yours and just start today. Visit LegalZoom.com and enter the code FIRE. So Rohit, we've just reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions. And you come back at us, Fire Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Absolutely. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Uh,
1: It was easy not to be. Uh, It was easy to take a paycheck. Um, Easier. And uh, also the access. I was uh, kind of afraid that if I didn't have a big brand behind my name, I wouldn't be able to open so many doors, uh, which actually hasn't turned really turned out to be the case.
0: What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: I think it's probably to be non obvious. Um, And I've sort of taken that from multiple places, but there's a lot of places to get obvious advice. Uh, And. Everything I try and do is to take a slightly different take than what everyone else is doing because I think that's where you start to add value. That's where you start to have a point of view.
0: Rohit, what is one specific action that listeners can take in the next 24 hours to bring them one step closer to their dreams?
1: I would say the powerful thing about living in today's moment is that you now have many tools to reach unreachable people, previously unreachable people, Um, social media tools, for example. And so I would say the one thing that listeners can do in the next 24 hours is send an email or a tweet to three unreachable people that you admire, just introducing yourself and telling them that you admire them.
0: And a great new tool that I found for that, row hit is vSnap. It's a great way to send a quick little less than 60-second video message via email, make you stand out a little bit, get a little personable, make them know that you are sending this message from you, that you're being genuine. Great tip, great tool, hit. And this moves perfectly into the next question, which is, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: I have uh, I have tons of them, <laughs> um, and you know because um, I tend to be an early adopter and an early um, uh, unsubscriber, if you know what I mean. Got so, it. So you know I'll try something out very quickly, and I'll decide if I think it has some value, and I'll keep it and I'll use it, or I'll decide right away, and then I'll you know remove the app from my phone. Um, so there's a couple that I think are uh, been really useful for me. Um, one is an app called a tool called Samebox. Um, that integrates with Gmail and it basically learns your Gmail uh, preferences and it starts to take all emails that seem to be non-urgent and sticks them into a folder separate from your inbox. And so all of a sudden, instead of getting, you know, whatever, like a hundred emails a day or or more, uh, I now only see the kind of 30 that are from actual people, as opposed to, you know, newsletters and all sorts of stuff like that. so that's been really powerful for me as one. And then I have a bunch of apps that I tend to use on my, on my phone. Just
0: one, because we don't want to overwhelm Fire Nation.
1: Yeah, so one is if you do a lot of international travel, um, like I do, uh, there's an app that I use called Viber uh, that allows you to send text messages uh, and also uh, phone call people who are in a different country, if they have the app as well, without any cost. Um, so it's great for me if I'm you know, in Oslo in Norway and I want to talk to my wife. I don't have huge phone bills of trying to do that. As long as I'm on a Wi-Fi network, which I usually have at the hotel, we can talk to each other um, without that cost. So it's a great way of that's time-saving and money-saving way that I can keep in touch with people in the U.S. without having to uh, pay huge international rates.
0: Perfect. Well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we've mentioned in today's episode by going to eofire.com slash Rohit Bargava. Rohit, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? Uh,
1: I'd have to say it would be a book called Save the Cat. Um, and it's a book about screenwriting written by a late um, screenwriter who did a lot of spec screenplays. But the lessons that it's got in terms of being able to tell stories and put structure around stories are phenomenal for anyone who's trying to communicate anything. So you don't have to be a screenwriter to appreciate it. But it's a, it's a great, great book. It's written by a guy named Blake Snyder. The book's called Save the Cat.
0: Well, Fire Nation, if you haven't already, you can get the audio version of this book or any book you'd like for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. So Rohit, this next question is my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter, taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: First thing I'd do is i put the laptop away. <laughs> um, and instead of trying to go online, I would use the $500 to travel to a place that has a lot of people. And then I would start to try and build a network of people. I would try and meet people. Um, I'd try and make connections because I think that Yeah, I sort of, in many ways, I kind of did exactly that uh, when I moved to Australia um, uh, without the 500 bucks.
0: And your food and shelter was peanut butter and a dorm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right, at uh, 20 Australian dollars a day. (laughs) Um, But, you know, what really helped me was starting to build that network of people, starting to meet people, go to events and and just be – um, out there. And and it's tough because not everybody feels like they have that extroverted kind of personality. Um, but in many ways, I think your ability to at least be out um, in places where you might start to make those connections, and not necessarily being the guy who walks up to random people and says, Hey, how are you doing? You, know, you don't have to necessarily be that person, but just to have that self confidence to go out and be at these events and be in places where you're likely to connect with people is huge value. So that's the first thing I would do.
0: So Rohit, I have just really enjoyed you taking us back to the late 90s the pre.com bubble burst and just showing us some things that you were doing, mixing it up back then, all the way up to the present, your current mentality about economics and everything that goes into that. So thank you for sharing that with us, with Fire Nation. Give us one parting piece of guidance, share the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Yeah, I think the the easiest way to connect uh, with me is probably by uh, email or Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, All of those places you can find me directly. Um, And the nice thing is, I mean, we talked about unreachable people. I tend to not be one of those unreachable people. So if you send me some sort of uh, message, I will definitely get back to you.
0: What's that one parting piece of guidance?
1: Yeah, I think that it is um, finding a way to be confident in your own passion. Um, And I think that there are moments when all of us feel confidence and when we don't feel confidence. And usually the moments when we feel confidence are related to the things that we are passionate about or that we have some knowledge about. And so I think that when you can put yourself in those situations, when you can start businesses that fit that category, the confidence is sort of a... Um, an output, as opposed to the input, if you know what I mean, and so I think that that being in that right space, being in that right moment, that's so important when you're an entrepreneur. And I'm finding that now on my own journey towards being being an entrepreneur.
0: Well, Rohit, Fire Nation is well aware they can find everything that we've talked about in today's episode, your resources, your tools, your tips, email, Twitter, contact information at eofire.com. Click on that podcast tab. You are hanging out in the archives. Rohit, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side podcastersparadise.com learn to create your podcast podcastersparadise.com learn to grow your audience podcastersparadise.com learn to get great guests podcastersparadise.com learn to monetize podcastersparadise.com engage with other podcasters podcastersparadise.com access private webinars with today's top experts